Veritas Mizzou podcast. Veritas is the college ministry of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. Our greatest hope is to see more and more college students believe that Jesus is more. To get connected, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Hey guys, welcome to Veritas. It's good to see so many of you. Uh, If we've not met before, my name is Davis. Some quick context about me. I am by no means the sportiest guy out there, but I did play sports growing up. I played lacrosse for like two seasons. I played soccer, and I even had aspirations of joining a competitive rowing team when I got to college. Turns out Mizzou doesn't have one of those. We're not near a body of water, but I just thought that it looked really cool in the movie The Social Network. But usually when I talk to people about sports, they assume that I was a wrestler. Fair assumption, I'm short, I'm stocky, I kind of fit the bill. No, instead of playing the sport where people look like me, I chose to swim, the sport where people look like Michael Phelps. Needless to say, I was not the world's best swimmer, but I think I was pretty okay considering my size and the fact that I didn't even start until I was a sophomore in high school. Where am I going with this? Well, because I was pretty late to the party with swimming, I didn't really know any of the etiquette that comes with practice and meets and just kind of what you're supposed to do as a swimmer. And if you've never had the misfortune of going to a swim meet, then let me tell you about them because they're honestly pretty stressful. They're loud, they're hot, they're crowded. There's just voices and noise everywhere. And, and I think the worst part is that they don't stop for anyone. If your race comes up and you're not there ready to swim, they're not going to stop the meet and come find you. No, they're going to do it without you. You're going to get disqualified and then your coach is going to get mad at you. That's all that happens. So my first meet comes up, and I'm super nervous. When the time finally comes for my first race, I hop up on the block ready to go, and I start panicking because amidst all the voices and noise, I get overwhelmed, and I forget what I'm supposed to be listening to to tell, like, to signal when to start the race. So I hear, go, and I dive. If you need an image to help you imagine this, Uh, This is what I looked like when I swam. (laughs) It's unfortunate. Anyways, back to the race. So I'm in the water. I'm nervous, but I'm going as fast as I can. And I do the thing you're not supposed to do. In between breaths, I look to my left and I look to my right, and I don't see anyone, which either means I'm super far behind or I'm really far ahead of everyone else. So I flip, and I'm coming back to the start. Mind you, this is a 100, so I have to go down and back twice. And as I'm coming back, I see hands waving in the air, and I see an arm slapping the wall as I'm coming back. And my first thought is, that's kind of intrusive, like get out of the way. My second thought is, they must be trying to encourage me. So I flip, and I do the second lap. I finally get back to the the start, the finish line, and I'm tired, I'm exhausted, and a little bit confused because as far as I can remember, I didn't see anyone else that entire race. You can probably guess where I'm going with this. It turns out that I jumped into the water too early. I couldn't see anyone else because they weren't there racing against me, and those hands were people trying to tell me to stop. 
I swam that entire race all alone. What I thought was the ref saying go was actually just a teammate yelling, go, Davis. But amidst all the voices and noises and shouting, I couldn't tell the difference between a friend trying to encourage me and the ref who I was supposed to listen to. Maybe you weren't a swimmer growing up. Chances are you're not. Not a super popular sport. But I'm confident that you can still relate to me because nowhere is there more voices shouting for your attention than on a college campus. It's an understatement to say that there is an abundance of voices telling you how to live, who to be, what matters in life. Everyone and everything you interact with is yet another voice shouting at you, trying to get you to buy into their answer. Parents, teachers, advisors, old friends, new friends, various clubs, your sorority or fraternity, a relationship, an internship, a job, your sexuality, financial success, titles and acclaim, your pursuit of happiness and pleasure. Every single one of these people or things is yet another voice and they're all shouting at the same time. People in your classes are shouting. Politicians are shouting. People on social media are shouting probably the loudest of anyone. Every voice is shouting, telling you to do something, be something, value and seek something different than what the other voices are telling you. Trust me, I get it. Ask anyone who knew me in college and they'll tell you that I struggle with this so much. I had no idea what voice I was supposed to listen to about my life. I was so unsure what direction to go that by the time I graduated, I had had five different majors. I came in as a journalism student, I transferred to poli-sci, and then a week later I transferred to English. I hadn't even taken a poli-sci class before I let somebody come along and convince me that I needed to go in a different direction with my life. I had so many questions and I hadn't yet learned how to tell which voices promises which voice promising me answers actually had my best interest in mind? Which voices came from sources that were good and true and could follow through on their promises? Was there one voice that I was supposed to be listening to? Or was there multiple that I was supposed to let speak into different aspects of my life and then somehow balance into an equilibrium? It's overwhelming, and I'm sure you know the feeling. But the problem isn't that the voices are shouting, right? Because they're going to keep doing that. No, the problem, and I think the question that we need to figure out if we can answer, is what's the right voice? Can we actually hear it? Or are we just going to continue to follow voices that lead us to jump into the pool too early? So tonight we're continuing our sermon series through the Gospel of John. And if you weren't here last week, Kyle told us the story of a man who was born blind in John 9. One day, upon encountering Jesus, Jesus heals this guy and restores his vision but this doesn't sit well with the religious leaders of the day. After hearing testimony of what Jesus had done for the blind man, they kick him out of the synagogue. Jesus, hearing what they've done, responds pretty sharply because they've missed the point entirely. They failed to recognize who Jesus was, and as such, it's the religious leaders who are blind. Not physically, spiritually blind. But that means that they are spiritually blind people who are blind guides for the people that they've been entrusted to care for. They're supposed to care for God's people, but they're blind while they're trying to lead them. So this all sets the backdrop for John 10. Apart from Jesus, we are blind and unable to find our way. In the midst of all the competing voices and noises and shouting in our lives, we need a guide. So tonight in John 10, we're going to see that Jesus is that guide, 
and, and what that has to do with us. So let's start by reading John 10, verse 11. Verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So we've got hired hands, good shepherd, wolves, other flocks, a shepherd laying his life down for us. There's a lot here, right? So I'm going to try to make it as simple for us as possible. For the rest of our time tonight, we're just going to look at four things that I think Jesus is saying to us tonight in these verses and why that matters in our lives. First, we need a shepherd. Jesus doesn't say, if you're a sheep, follow me. He just says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. He doesn't leave any room for an alternative. You're either a sheep in Jesus' flock or you're a sheep in another. But regardless, you are a sheep who needs a shepherd. And I think for some of us, this can be kind of an upsetting or even offensive idea. We don't need a shepherd because we're the shepherd of our own lives. We've figured out our own truth, our own hopes, our own dreams, our own spirituality. We don't need somebody coming in and speaking into that and telling us what those things should be. And trust me, I get that. I don't like this idea of having a shepherd because if I'm being honest, I really like being in charge of my own life. There's part of me that wonders if all of this talk of sheep needing a shepherd is true and factual, or if it's just some thing that we use it as an example in church long enough that we all just kind of have come to accept it. So I did some research about sheep, and I found some interesting facts. First is that sheep are followers by nature. They naturally are going to do what other sheep do, and they're going to go where other sheep go, which I think makes this next part even more dangerous. Sheep wander. They've done studies that show if you put any number of sheep in the perfect environment, they've got no predators, they've got all the food, the grass that they need, they've got all the water that they would ever need. They are sustained forever. Unless those sheep have a shepherd to guide them, they will still wander. And not only are they going to wander, they're going to wander so far that they get lost and they can't find their way back. Sound familiar? Look, I know... What I have here is good, but is that thing a little bit better? Is that grass a little bit greener? Does that water taste a little bit better? Is that thing over there going to make me just a little bit happier? We think we're really good at being our own shepherd, but really all we're doing is wandering toward voices that sound great for a little bit, but ultimately leave us feeling lost. They sound great for a while, but they don't sustain if you're building your life off of recognition and status, then you need to work really hard to make sure that you don't face denial so that you always make the team, you always get that spot on exec, 
you always get into the program that you want. If you're looking to approval from others to satisfy you, then gosh, you have a lot to figure out. You better get good grades so that your parents and teachers are satisfied. You better like the things that your friends like and dislike the things that they dislike. You better not post too much on social media because you don't want to have the wrong opinion, but post enough so that people don't think that you're fake. You better figure out how to please everyone in a culture that is increasingly divided on everything. If you're seeking fulfillment from being attractive, then you better not miss too many days in the gym. You better watch what you eat. You better figure out a good skincare routine and while you're at it, invest in the sciences so that they can help you stop aging. If you're seeking a life filled with as much pleasure as possible, then you better hope that those things don't get old. If you're seeking a life filled with as much joy as possible, as much happiness as you can possibly cram in there, then you need to get really good at avoiding sadness and pain and hardship. I really don't mean to sound demeaning because every single one of these voices is something that I'm tempted to listen to and then follow every single day. But you get my point, right? They don't satisfy. They don't last. I, we, you need a shepherd who will keep you from wandering. I think we have this tendency to view following Jesus as our shepherd as a restrictive way of living. It's a set of rules that is going to keep us from living the way that we want to live or being the kind of person that we want to be when in reality, sheep don't suffer under leadership of a shepherd. They flourish. We flourish when we follow Jesus. We flourish when we obey his commands in our life. We flourish when we listen to his word instead of our own. Jesus leads you to a green pasture full of grass to eat because he is the bread of life. Jesus leads you to a pond a flowing river that always has water that you can drink because he is the living water. It sounds backwards, I know, but following Jesus as the good shepherd brings flourishing in your life. Point two, Jesus knows his flock by name. Jesus knows his flock by name, which, just to clarify, that means that he knows you by name. Verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Catch that. In the same way that Jesus knows the Father, and the Father knows Jesus, he knows you. And of course he does, right? He's your creator. He made you. One of the reasons that we can trust Jesus and follow his voice in our life is because he doesn't look out and just see a flock. He sees each individual sheep, and he knows them well. Jesus does not look out and see a crowd of 200-ish college students here tonight. No, he looks out and he sees you. He knew that you'd be here tonight, and he knew how many hairs you'd have on your head while you're sitting in your seat. He knows everything about you. John 1.3 says, Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus enjoys you, and he enjoys being your shepherd because he made you. Earlier, I mentioned that following Jesus as the good shepherd brings flourishing, but I think it also brings freedom in your life. It's freedom to be yourself. You don't have to pretend anymore. You don't have to perform. You don't have to work to be good enough for Jesus because he made you and he loves you as you are. You're free from worrying if you're attractive enough, smart enough, funny enough, popular enough, 
worth enough. Every other voice that you listen to in your life is going to come with a bar. Some metric or measurement that you have to be and meet in order to be considered enough, in order to be considered part of that flock. The amazing thing about Jesus, the sheep didn't do anything to earn their spot in his flock. No, the sheep don't choose the shepherd. The shepherd chooses the sheep. Jesus chooses you. He sees you. He knows you by name, and he loves you. Point three, Jesus is the shepherd, not a hired hand. Jesus doesn't just call himself the good shepherd and then tell you to trust him, although he could, and we would be right to trust him. No, he cares enough about you that he even tries to convince you. He gives you reasons that make him such a good shepherd. First of which is just that he is different and better than a hired hand. Back to verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. In this context, the hired hand is someone who's being paid to watch over these sheep. So naturally, they're not as invested. It's just a job. But Jesus is the shepherd. Caring for the sheep is his purpose. When wolves come, the hired hand flees. They're paid to look out for you as sheep, but not at cost of their own safety, not at cost of their own health. Jesus cares so much for his flock that he's willing to die for them. I mean, really think about that. A shepherd laying his life down for his sheep seems pretty backwards, right? I mean, the point of sheep is profit. That's like a CEO dying for their employees. I mean, we would hope that a CEO cares for their employees. We would hope that they sacrifice for their employees. But dying for them? That's just silly. It doesn't make any sense. Your sheep surviving doesn't really matter if you're not alive to reap the profit. Except the point of sheep isn't profit for Jesus. Jesus' entire purpose is caring for his sheep, being with them, leading them. So what does this mean for us? What does having a loving shepherd who's willing to die for his sheep practically mean for your life? Well, I think it means rest. And I think it means peace. Because the other voices that we've tried to follow, we always have to wonder if they're actually going to follow through. But not with Jesus. Jesus follows through on his promises. Putting our hope in Jesus is putting our hope in someone who said he was going to die for you and then did. Putting your hope in Jesus means peace the next time that you bomb a test because your identity and your worth is not in your grades. Putting your hope in Jesus means rest from jumping from relationship to relationship, looking for value and worth and respect because your good shepherd already loves you and gives you those things. It means rest from your anxiety and your depression. Those things aren't gone. They're not just cured. But you don't have to carry that burden alone anymore. God came to earth as a human, died for you, and then rose again to take his heavenly throne. That same God who did all of that for you, because he cares for you, is with you in everything that you're going through. Jesus dying on the cross and then raising from the dead for you means a life of resting in the care of a good shepherd 
that you can trust. Fourth point, Jesus is calling. Jesus wants to be a shepherd for all sheep. Back to verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. This figure of speech is an invitation for the true followers of Jesus to hear and then follow. Whether you've never followed God a day in your life, or maybe you used to, but you've wandered, Jesus had you in mind when he said these words in John 10. The sheep who know him are in his pen, but Jesus says he calls to those who aren't, and they will become one flock under one shepherd. But an invitation to listen and to follow is also an opportunity to miss. An invitation to listen is an opportunity to miss what Jesus is actually saying here, what he's offering you. So maybe you came here tonight with no intention of changing your mind, no intention of changing what voice you're listening to in your life, no intention of following Jesus, no real interest in him. You're here because you were bored and a friend invited you. You had nothing else to do, or maybe you were just lonely and you just wanted to be around people for a couple hours. Whatever brought you here, maybe you're here because your shepherd is calling for you. And maybe, deep down, you know that he's been calling you for a long time. And you're finally in the right place at the right time to listen and then to follow him. Are you lonely and weary from wandering? Jesus is calling. Are you sick of all the shouting, tired of jumping from voice to voice, only to realize that yet again, you're in the pool too early? Jesus is calling. Are you looking for peace? Are you looking for rest? Are you looking for lasting contentment? Great. Jesus is calling. Don't miss him. Don't miss Jesus. As we wrap up tonight, and the music team comes back up, I wanted to share a story with you guys. I came across it last week, and I just thought it was really interesting. The setting is the country of Turkey in 2005. A group of shepherds are coming back from breakfast after a long morning of working, and they come back to what is honestly a pretty horrific sight. Remember how I mentioned that sheep are prone to wander? Well, for whatever reason, one of the sheep in this flock wanders to the edge of a cliff and jumps. Remember how I said that sheep are prone to follow each other? Well, unfortunately, after that first sheep jumps, another does, and then another, and then another. And then these shepherds watch helplessly as 1,500 sheep just dive off this cliff. Can you imagine? I mean, it's, it's kind of sad, it's kind of funny, but I think it's a good picture of what's at stake when we follow the wrong shepherd in our life. Not every voice shouting that's trying to get your attention in life is going to lead to death. No, that's a silly claim. But they're all going to fall short. They're all going to falter when you need them most. They're all going to lead you into the pool too early. But the good news is that we don't have to keep getting pulled by each voice that's just shouting for our attention. We have a good shepherd whose call cuts through all of that noise, who loves us, who knows us by name, and who wants to lead us to green pastures. Instead of trying over and over again to listen to the abundance of voices in your life, 
that are going to overpromise and underdeliver. Instead, listen to the one voice who can follow through on his promise, who promises you abundant life in him. Follow Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps other people find our content so that they can be encouraged too. Most importantly, to get connected to Veritas, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening.